Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people, and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. The algorithm of faith, that's what I'm talking about this morning. I, I, I will not get tired of hearing about faith. I try to listen to a faith sermon, a faith-filled sermon every single day. I'm not always successful, but at least once a week I'm listening to somebody who's full of faith because faith is something that needs to be fed daily. You need to feed your faith daily, not once a year, not once a week, but every single day. Your faith, just like your body needs water, so your faith needs the Word of God. You need to feed on the Word of God every single day. It's one thing to read the Bible, but it's another thing to feed on the Word of God, to feed on it, to, to allow that Word to become a part of you. Faith is a force. Uh, we talked a little bit about this. You've heard me talk about this, but uh, is, how many know repetition is the mother of education? And you need to hear it again and again and again. Sometimes we forget stuff. Sometimes if we don't hear it for a while, we will neglect it. But I want you to think about faith in these ways. Faith is a force, a spiritual force. Faith is a grace. Faith is also a statements of beliefs. And there are, and I describe faith as a diamond. There's many different facets of faith. And some will say, well, Jesus is the object of our faith. And in and, and, and one aspect, that's true. But we also see that there are many different elements of faith. There's many different dimensions of faith. So you don't want <clears throat> you don't want to be stuck on one element. Like it's just a statement of faith or statements of beliefs. You know, we have a statement of faith, things that we believe. That's one element of faith. And back in the day, you used to go to a job. If you were going looking for a job or filling out a job application, they would ask you on the application. I remember this as a kid, as a teenager. What is your faith? Or what is, this, what is your faith? Your what, what, what faith are you from? Are you Catholic? Are you Protestant? Are you, you know, so they would ask you what your faith was. But we're talking about a practicality of faith, a, 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 uh, a functional faith, a operative faith, a faith that you put into force. Faith in its simplest, simplest definition is acting upon the word of God. You cannot get tired of hearing that, that definition. Faith is acting on the word of God. So today, as we start the series, I want to begin the series with the title, The Algorithm of Faith, The Algorithm of Faith. Now, if you're like me, I don't know necessarily, if I would hear that, I don't, what, 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 what are you talking about? <laughs> that word, algorithm. It, it means a, it's, it's a process or a set of rules to be followed in calculations or problem-solving operations, especially by a computer. Let me say it again. It's a set of rules to be followed in calculations 
or other problem-solving operations, especially by a computer. Another definition is it's a set of instructions designed to perform a specific task. It is a set of instructions designed to perform a specific task. So when we talk about the algorithm of faith, we're looking at a set of rules or set of instructions or set of principles that are designed for a specific outcome. So we want to be intentional with our faith. Other words, another way of saying it is the law of faith or the principles of faith. So it's important that we understand what faith is and what it's not. Some believers, believe it or not, some believe that faith is automatic. Oh, I have faith. I, tr I trust God. I've heard that all my life. I'm trusting God and the person end up dying. I'm trusting God. They end up encountering even a, a worse state than they were when they were saying that. I'm just trusting the Lord. What does that mean? <laughs> you know, I, didn't, I, don't, I don't see Jesus going around saying, I'm just trusting the Lord or the disciples. It, I understand. I think I understand the spirit behind that. They're putting it in the hands of God. But there's some things you, can't, you, cannot put what's, you cannot put what God has put in your hands in his hands. Let me say it again. You cannot put what God has put in your hands in his hands. There are some things that you have to do. And many times we talk about, hum, Lord, humble me. Lord, give me patience. And God says, humble yourself. God says, let patience have her perfect work in you. So it's not so much, sometimes we put, in, put things in God's hands when God has, has made us the sole development or steward over that thing that we have. Oh, God, I want to be close to you. That's a, that's a nice prayer. That's a good prayer. But the Bible tells us how to get close to God, draw near to God. How do you draw near to God? By utilizing, employing spiritual disciplines such as disciplines such as prayer and fasting and studying the scriptures. Don't tell me you want to, you pray just to be close to you, and, but you're not doing the things necessary to be close to him. So don't pray, God, draw me close when you haven't spent time with God in his word and through prayer and through worship and through, through giving and so forth. Employ spiritual disciplines. You cannot just say, I'm trusting God or I'm, everything's going to be okay. You're going to have to be specific. You're going to have to develop faith. Faith is so important. Some believers assume that everyone has it or has developed their faith. God has given us a small amount of time when we get born again to develop our faith. So with that said, let's go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Now, if you get in your head, I've heard this before. Oh, there he goes again in faith. Listen, as a pastor, I'm under no obligation to preach something new. I'm not under a, 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 the pressure of let me please all the hearers. 
Because you're going to have some people who are going to love the messages, some people who are going to hate the messages. Some people say, I've heard that before. I heard him tell the same stories. Listen, the reason I'm telling the stories is so that you can get it and you can start operating it, using my life as an example. Romans chapter 12, verse 3 says this. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, "But I, for I say through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. In the Greek, it should be the measure of faith. God has dealt to every believer a measure or the measure of faith. And so it's up to you and I to develop our faith. I have never said this, at least I don't think I have, that someone doesn't have faith unless they were unless I was referring to someone who 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 wasn't born again. What I realize is that people need to develop their faith. It's not so much that, oh, they didn't have enough faith, so that's why they died. No, they perhaps they didn't develop their faith. Listen, when I'm when I'm talking about the algorithm of faith, I'm talking about general principles, and I'm talking about something specific that you have to do. Not something that someone else, you cannot have faith. Unless you are a parent, you can have faith for your children in ways that they cannot. And you have spiritual responsibilities in ways, unless you're over organization or uh, myself as a pastor over Kingdom Living Ministries. I can have faith for the growth of this church. I can have faith for, for our buildings. But there, but unless, but for somebody else, I I can encourage them, I can join my faith to them, but it ultimately is up to them to decide what they're going to do with the Word of God. I cannot impose my faith on someone else. That'll preach. I cannot impose my faith on someone else. If I'm here calling you blessed and you're calling yourself stupid, then I, I can't, there's nothing I can do about that because what you say is what you're going to get. That's why I'm not afraid of what people are saying about me. Their words don't have any power over my life. My words and my faith have power over my life greater than anybody else. God can, have, God can decree some wonderful things over your life. He can speak prophetically over your life and tell you that you're going to be the richest person in the world. But if you say that you're going to be broke, and that you're broke, and that you'll never amount to anything, guess what? No matter how great the Lord says it over your life, ultimately what you say will be the, you'll get the manifestation of what you say. So I'm not moved. If I pray for a million people and they all die, doesn't mean that God's will was for them to die. It just means that they they were in agreement with what I was saying and what I was praying. So you are limited. Let me slow down. You are limited to what you can say and pray over someone else outside of your family, outside of your covenant with your spouse, outside of your kids, that you're limited. I cannot go to another, if, if a pastor friends, a friend of mine who's a pastor and they're sick and I'm praying for their healing and they're, they're praying, Lord, let it be your will, then what they're praying will have the greater impact in their life more so than what I'm praying for them. Do you get what I'm saying? Come on, shoot some hearts. Because you you can't operate faith for someone else outside of your family. I'm talking about your immediate family, your, your spouse, your kids, people that you're over 
and, and the Lord has given you grace to be over. As long as your kids are under your roof, there's a certain amount of authority that you have that you can speak over their life. Even when they leave your roof, there's a certain, still a certain amount of authority. But once they come of age, it is up to them. They cannot get to heaven on their father or their mother's faith. They have to develop their faith on their own. They have to operate in faith. So I don't want you to be confused by what the things that I'm going to say in the next couple of weeks that you're going around trying to empty the hospital. Some people, they talk about that. Well, if, if God is a healer, why don't you just go and empty the hospital? Well, no, there's a lot of factors. There's a lot of factors when it comes to other people. I don't know the condition of their heart. I don't know if they have unforgiveness. I don't know if they have sin in their life. So there are things that are in other people's lives that I don't know about and, and perhaps they're in disobedient. God might have been. God might have told them to do something, and they didn't do it. There's nothing I can do. So you can't go around trying to operate in faith for other people. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you inheriting the blessings of God. You walking in the promises of God, and not somebody else. I don't know what the other church is doing. I don't know what my other brothers and sisters from other denominations believe. Well, I kind of do, but I'm not focusing on that. I'm focused on Kingdom Living Ministries and those members and those guests and friends who are viewing and blessed by this ministry. I'm talking to you that you can develop your faith to receive from God and walk in the fullness of what he has for you. Just, you know, just because people tithe doesn't mean that they're going to automatically walk in Malachi 3. You got to tithe in faith. You got to give in faith. Just because people pray doesn't mean their prayers are making much power available to them. You got to pray in faith. You got to believe God. You got to take hold of the word of God and not let it go. All right, so let's get back to my message. That's me just kind of bringing some clarity because sometimes when people hear this, they automatically want to start thinking about all the people who were nice. Well, let's talk about so, such a sister so-and-so who was a good Christian and displayed the fruit of the Spirit, and they got sick and they died. What happened there? And everybody and their mom prayed for them. You could have a million people praying for a person, but if the person has not obeyed God, just totally in disobedient and God has dealt with them about something or they have unforgiveness or they are, are wanting to go to be with Jesus, God is not going to honor the million, the million people who are praying for them. He's going to honor the person that, that needs that healing over the million people. So if you got what I say, say, I got it, Pastor. I understand it. You cannot employ, you cannot enforce your faith on others. And I think that that, that is where the confusion is. Because people, I'm going to tell you, little, I've been in ministry a little bit, 26 years. And I'm going to tell you, 27 years now, going to 27, right? 27, yeah, because 2019 was 25. I'm going to tell you something. People will say one thing in front of the minister, the pastor, and say another thing outside of it. I've seen where I... I where I've prayed, I'll give you a story. I'll never forget this. There was a young lady, young. I mean, she was young. She was a t- like young adult, maybe maybe 17, maybe 18, later teens. A friend of, our, of mine, JR, we, we were 
you know, we were faith, we're, we are faith men and we would pray together. We would go down to the, to the church and pray in tongues. We spent a lot of time praying in tongues. I was a youth pastor at a church outside of boarding town. And, and of course, as the youth pastor, I had the key to the church. So I would, we, we, him and I would go to the church and I would turn on the praise and worship music and we would walk the floor praying in tongues for hours. We did that on Saturday nights. And we decided there was a young lady that we, who was dear, heart, dear, near and dear to our hearts, and we wanted to see God do miracles because I believe in God of the miracles. No matter what the circumstances are, I believe that God is a miracle-working God. God it got to be somebody who's going to believe that, somebody who's going to take God at his word and going to see this last, this, this last day revival, someone who's going to go into God and see the dead raised and see the sickness and disease leave people and demons driven out, and I'm the one. I'm one of the many. I'm not the only one, but I'm one of the many, and I believe you are too. So anyway, going back to the story. So we, the young lady, six, she, I think she had a brain tumor. So people are praying, 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 and we, me, JR and I, were, we were committed to going up every single day. So I was at work, he was at work. We would go up to the church, and we would pray. I mean, to the hospital, and we would pray every day. We would speak the word of God. We gave her Nora Hayes, How to Live and Not Die. We gave her Healing Scriptures by Kenneth E. Hagin. And so we purchased those items, told them to play that all the time, and we were speaking the word of God over this young lady, just speaking the word of God, just confessing the word. We would go, let's say an hour a day. We would go up there after working all day and speak the word of God over our friend, we would begin to declare, I thank you by the stripes of Jesus, she's healed from the crown of her head to the soles of her feet. We thank you, Father, that she'll live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. We declare and decree that she'll live and not die and we will call her name out. We will worship God and speak the word and encourage the mother. So we would go home or whatever and then come back the next day, do the same thing. Come back the next day. And I think we had the weekends off. We wouldn't do the necessary on the weekends, but Monday through Friday. And we start seeing this young lady make progress. And she was getting healed. I mean, you could see that things were happening in her body. We for some reason we stopped for like two weeks or something. It, it must have been a week and a half, and we didn't go. What happened was next time we went up there, I think after that little break. It, whatever progress she made, it, it, it regressed and it got worse. We realized, wait a minute, what's, what's going on? Because we told the mother to keep speaking the word, don't let anybody else come in. Come to find out her pastor came in with some of the elders praying, Lord, let it be your will, let your will be done. People are quick to pray for the will of the Lord when they do not want to stand in faith for something. It is challenging to stand in faith. This faith walk is not a walk in the park. It's not, it's not easy. It's work. And I'm not talking about working for your salvation. I'm talking about working out your salvation and believing God, doing whatever it takes to believe God. And the mother had gone back to praying, Lord, let it be your will, whatever your will is. I'm telling you, that has sent more people to the grave than anything else. Because when there's a situation that seems to be impossible, 
people, believers, are quick to pray for the will of God to be done than to take the word of God and stand on it. It takes faith to stand and to believe God in the midst of a, a horrible situation or a challenging situation. It's easy to yield to the flesh and just leave it up to the Lord. I want to challenge you to not do that. And so the pastor came and prayed for the Lord, let it be your will. If you want to take her, take her. Well, I'm sad to report that young lady died. And it was not God's will for her to die. I believe she was 17, 18. It was not God's will for her to die. She died an early death. They had the funeral, went to the funeral, and people got up and said, she ran her race. She lived her, her time on earth, and God called her home. He needed another angel. A bunch of lies. A bunch of lies. You can die prematurely. That might be a shock to you. But you can die before you need to die, before, you, before God wants you to die. Well, what scripture do you have? 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go there. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's take a look at this. I wasn't expected to, to look at this scripture, but this scripture tells us the reason why some people have died early. It, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, and it talks about the Lord's prayer, I mean the Lord's supper. And, and I am lost. Okay, here we go. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 30. It says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep, or many have died. Premature death. There are a lot of Christians who die prematurely. What do you mean, Pastor Dwayne? They die before God's, God wants them to go to be with him. The Bible tells us in Psalm 91 Verse 16, with low life, he'll satisfy us and show us his salvation. And some people go, and the reason why these people in Corinth were sick and weak, and many of them died, we, it tells us in 29, verse 29, for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. There are some people who die, or who, even, who are even sick because they have not rightly discerned the Lord's body. They have come to the table and, and have participated in the Lord's Supper in a way that is unworthy. They bring disgrace to the blood of Jesus, and therefore they have entered into judgment and they die early. It is not God's will for you to be weak, for you to be sick, and for you to die prematurely. I don't care what the, the critics are saying, and I don't care what the scholars are saying, but I'm telling you from, from the word of God that God doesn't want you to die before 
you're satisfied. And when I'm talking about satisfied, a satisfied life is one that has lived out the call of God. Paul says, I've ran my race. I have finished my course. God wants us to finish our courses. He wants us to run our races. He wants us to overcome. And then he wants us to go ahead and go home and be with him. There's only one person that we see in scripture from Genesis to Revelation where the Lord took someone. Often we say where the Lord took them. No, the Bible refers to us going home to be with the Lord, not necessarily that the Lord has taken us. And that was Enoch. The Bible says, and he was not for the Lord took him. He was the only person that the Lord took in scripture when they died. Everybody else either went to hell or went to be with him. All right, let me get back on focus. I hope that little side journey, that little rabbit trail, as we say, have done you some good. So I'm talking about you developing your faith. It's up to you. God has made you the steward over your faith, so do something about it. Trials are a part of this life. You will not escape trials. I don't care how spiritual you are, you're going to encounter some trials. Crisis come to, comes to us all. We're all going to face some type of crisis. There's always something to fight for. There's always a reason to utilize your faith. Every single day, you have a reason to use your faith. So, yes, you're about to get that, some of y'all are about to get that stimulus check. Okay, praise God. But guess what? Just like money comes, <laughs> money goes. So you got to prepare yourself for when the hard time comes. Will you believe God with the money? It's amazing. Some people say, well, if I get more money, I'll start tithing. <laughs> Baby, if you're not tithing off the $5, you're not going to tithe off the $1,400 that you're going to get. I mean, it's just the bottom line. You got to get your mind together, and you got to start serving God regardless I said all that to say that you're going to have to use your faith regardless if you're comfortable right now or you're not. Why wait until you're facing a trial to all of a sudden, let me pull out that sermon that PD preached about faith or let me feed my faith. No, you need to be feeding your faith whether you're at peace or you're at, you got a lot of anxiety. Faith must be employed every single day. You will not, and remember my definition of faith is faith is acting upon the word of God. There will never be a time in your life that you won't have to use your faith. There will never be a time in your life that you won't have to use your faith, whether it's with your um, singleness, whether it's with your, in your marriage, or whether it's with your children or your grandchildren or your church or your business or your school, whatever the case may be, Every single day, you have an opportunity to use your faith. Faith is one of the is one of the most more important or most important foundational truths that everybody every believer needs to know what it is and how to use it. it I think faith, this type of faith, needs to be taught as soon as a person gets born again. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Faith is necessary to get into the kingdom of God. Faith is necessary to function in the kingdom of God. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. Type that. Faith is the currency of the kingdom. You, you got, you're going to have to use your faith. It doesn't matter you, where you go in life, you're going to have to use your faith. 
You can be a millionaire, but guess what? As a millionaire, you got to use your faith. You got to get use your faith to get wisdom. You got to use your faith to, to sleep at night. I mean, there is never an opportunity. There's never not there's never not an opportunity for you to use your faith. I don't know if I said that right. First John, let's go to First John chapter five. First John chapter five, the algorithm of faith. First John chapter five, let's look at verses one through five. It says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For who, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Let me repeat verse 4. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Even our faith. What, we, what overcomes the world? Our faith. If you're going to defeat the devil, crucify the flesh, and overcome the world, you're going, to have to, you're going to have to know how to use your faith. The prayers you pray when you're saved, the prayers that you prayed when you, when you were saved isn't enough. God expects you to develop your faith, faith for healing, faith for finances, faith for wisdom, faith for direction, faith for peace, faithful singleness, faith for marriages, faith for children, faith for grandchildren. You got to have faith to conceive, faith to give birth, faith to grow them jokers up, faith to, come on, <laughs> you, faith to, to pour into them. Every element of the Christian faith requires faith, Christian faith, faith. Everything on the Christian journey hinges on faith. You couldn't get saved without faith. God does not automatically save the person because they need it. Let me say that again. Everybody who's not saved needs to be saved. <clears throat> Everybody who was born into this world needs to be saved. But just because they need to be saved doesn't mean that they're going to be saved. They're not going to receive. God has already made provision for their salvation. So just because the provision is there doesn't mean that it is automatically applied to them. They have to receive it by faith. It is by faith that they receive the provision of their salvation. God has done all that he's going to do in Christ. He's provided for your needs. He's provided wisdom and given you peace and given you joy, given you direction, all in the kingdom of God, but you got to tap into it with faith. Remember, we said faith is the currency of the kingdom. Even with your money, when you give, you give in faith. When you pray, you pray in faith. When I preach, I preach in faith. When I sleep, I sleep in faith. When I drive, I drive in faith. When I work, I work in faith. When I study, I study in faith. Come on. I, when I speak in tongues, I speak in tongues in faith, by faith. 
It doesn't make sense to my mind, but I say it anyway by faith. So everything, when I forgive, I forgive by faith. Faith works by love, Galatians. So when someone, let's say Susie, Lord, I forgive Susie by faith. I release her. It doesn't, I might still have those feelings, those ill feelings towards Susie. But by faith, I release Susie from that wrongness that she did, that offense. I release her now in Jesus' name. I'm not actually talking about Susie. I just use it as an example. The algorithm of faith, the calculation of faith, the, the, the instructions of faith, the, the, the laws of faith. You got to learn how to operate in this faith. I'm telling you, kingdom living, are you listening to me? It's time for us to grow up in faith. It's, it's time for us to learn how to pray in faith and see results, how to speak the word of God in faith and see results. When you witness to somebody, witness by faith. Tell the person about Jesus and trusting the gospel is, 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 is powerful enough to, to melt their hearts, to bring them into the kingdom of God. Let's take a look at some scriptures. The, algorithm, the, the algorithm of faith. Romans chapter 1. It looks like we're going to have to do a part two. <laughs> Romans chapter 1. Dave is smiling. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Here we go. You're familiar with the scripture. I hope you got your Bibles. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. You need to see this stuff. Don't just listen. See it. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For in it, or in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to what? To faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. So who are the just? All who are born again. We've been justified. The children learned yesterday on Zoom that we're, we're justified by faith. We've been declared just in the eyes of Almighty God by faith in Christ. Listen, we have to live by faith. Every area of our lives need to be governed by faith in Christ. We, we grow our children in faith. When, you, when your kids are facing a, a challenge in school, I hope you by faith tell them they can learn that. You got this. You can learn this. Teaching your children education by faith teaching them how to become men and women of God by faith, praying over them in faith, praying over your food in faith. We don't know what's in that food. Not necessarily the, the cook has done something to it, but we don't know the animals and the plants that were raised and how they were raised and whether there's things that got on the food or the animals that can cause cancer in our body. So we got to pray in faith over our food. Lord, we thank you for this food. And we thank you that it's through the prayer and the word of God that this food is sanctified. Come on, I'm preaching better than you say it, amen. You got to, this every part of the Christian faith depends on faith. So we see from this scripture that the just shall live by faith. God expects his children 
to live by faith. Go with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. It says this. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. It says, therefore, having been justified by what? Faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we've been justified by faith. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. What does it say? For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. This, This walk requires faith. We don't understand what's ahead of us. But we trust God to order our steps. Psalm 37, verse 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So I I, am walking in life by faith. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We should not be moved by what we see, what we hear, or even what we feel. We should be only moved by the word of God. We walk by faith. We talk by faith. We pray by faith. We sing by faith. We worship by faith. We give by faith. We work, at, we work by faith. Every part of the Christian life should be done by faith. We love by faith. We, we do acts of kindness by faith. Let me tell you, if it's not by faith, it's not received by God. It's not received by God. Go to the scripture that I I quoted earlier, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? The grace and the faith are gifts of God. So we're saved by faith. If you're saved by faith, you're called to live by faith, called to walk by faith, called to pray by faith, called to every element of the walk of this journey with Christ requires faith. Then Hebrews, my my text is Hebrews 11. Let's look at Hebrews 11 verses 1 through 6. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtain a good report, a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made by things which are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, and God testifying of his gifts through it, though he be dead, being dead, still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before Before he was taken, he had the testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So you can't even get saved without faith. You can't even please God without faith. So don't tell me you've heard all there is to hear about faith. Faith is... It's required to please God. You can't please, you can do all those religious acts, but if they're not done by faith, they're not pleasing to God. 
in Romans chapter 14, verse 23 says, whatever is not of faith is sin. Let's go over that. This is my last scripture. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Romans 14, verse 23. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is what? Sin. It's sin. So we must become people of faith. We must live by faith. We must walk by faith. We must understand and employ the laws of faith. Learn how to operate by faith. I'm going to give you some more details and, and teach you how to, to grow your faith and how to exercise your faith. We're going to look at a, a story in Mark chapter 5. So if you want to go ahead and read Mark chapter 5 for next week, we're going to look at that and, and really begin to develop our faith. The algorithm of faith, the, 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 the laws, the, the instructions to cause, to, to perform a specific task. Faith is, is a powerful spiritual force that will bring the invisible into the visible realm. It will cause the impossible to be possible in your life. You got to develop your faith in God so that you can overcome this world. There are going to be some trials ahead of you. There are going to be some troubles ahead of you. God never promised a trouble-free life, but he did promise to be with us. He did promise that we can overcome those things if we'll utilize our faith, if we'll understand how faith operates. And I'm here as your pastor and as the teacher in the body of Christ is to teach you how to overcome this life through faith in God. There, you, you, you don't have a problem that your faith can't resolve. Whatever the problems may be that are on your life, in your life, you can overcome. I'm not preaching that you won't have problems. What I am preaching that you can overcome those problems. You can overcome those addictions and those urges. You can overcome cigarettes and profanity and pornography. You can overcome laziness and procrastination and depression. Did you hear me? You can overcome those things. But you can only, only really overcome those things in a, in a permanent sense is through your faith. It's through your faith. Let me give you this last story. You've heard me tell it. I have a cousin, a wonderful cousin who's an elder and an evangelist up in New York. And she used to be addicted to cigarettes. And the Lord saved her wonderfully. And I prayed with her over the phone to, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. She spoke in tongues and received the baptism. And she had this addiction to nicotine. And I began to pray. Now, if, if, if deliverance people, they'd be like, okay, let me cast the spirit of nicotine out on you. And that might be the case in, in some people, but it's not always the case in everybody. So what I did is I began to instruct her in faith. I said, every time you puff, you take a smoke, you say, in the name of Jesus, I'm free from you. And she took the nicotine, the Newport, she would smoke it. I say, in the name of Jesus, say every time, in the name of Jesus, I'm free from you. I, based on John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, whom the Son says free is free indeed. 
I thank you that the Son of God has set me free. I am free from you, nicotine. And you speak to it. You remember in Mark eleven twenty three, 23? It says, speak to the mountains. Y'all think I'm playing. You think that this is a joke. You just don't speak to things. Okay, be stupid, be in your sin, and be full of your trials. I'm telling you, you can speak to things. You can speak to pain in your body. You can speak to your marriage. You can speak to your children. Come on, you can speak some things into your life. I know people make fun of it, calling things that are not as though they were. I'm telling you, you can, and we'll talk about that. We'll, we'll explore what the Bible has to say. It's not mind over matter. It's the biblical way of living. And so she began to take the cigarettes, and she began to speak to it. In the name of Jesus, I call myself free from Newport. In Jesus' name, I call myself free. And she added some fasting to it. And she began to speak it. Every time she picked up the cigarettes, she began to declare that she was free from it. And I'm here to tell you, 18 plus years later, she is totally free from cigarettes. She's free from it. And I'm telling you, through faith, learning the algorithm of faith will save your life. You're going to need to know how to operate in faith. See, prayer is powerful, but prayer won't even work without faith. Giving is powerful. Giving won't work without faith. Coming to church won't work without faith. Reading the Bible won't work without faith. Preaching the Bible won't work without faith. It's not just mere words. It's faith connected to God that brings the very thing when I take communion, so you can take communion every first Sunday, and it won't make a difference if you didn't take it. But you got to take that communion by faith. If you'll do it right, you can receive healing in your body. I'm going to stop there. My time has gotten away. I want to give you an opportunity if you're here or watching me online and you have not ever made Jesus the Lord of your life, I want to give you and invite you, give you an opportunity to be born again. For you, there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Heaven it waits for you. You can have heaven. Heaven can be part of your future. Your choice is yours. The Bible says, whosoever comes to the Lord, in no way will he cast them away. So today, if you'll call on the name of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ will save you. He's made provision for you. You only, only thing you have to do is receive what he's done for you. <coughs> so if you say, that's me, Pastor Way, I want to receive Christ. <coughs> I want you to pray this prayer after me, and I want you to mean it from your heart and pray in faith. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me for all of my sins. I believe that you sent Jesus to die for me. He died a perfect death. He was raised in power and glory. So by faith, I receive the finished work of the cross. I receive Jesus as my Lord I confess him with my mouth, and I say that I'm saved in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, make sure you contact us at info at kingdomlivingnj.org. We will love to hear from you. We're trusting God for salvation every single week. 
we believe that what we're preaching is the gospel and that that gospel can save you. That concludes this week's message and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also, you can write to us by mail at P.O. Box 519, Rancocas, New Jersey, 08073. And lastly, if you would like to partner with this ministry through your prayers or financial support, contact us via email at partners at kingdomlivingnj.org. Our prayer is that this message has encouraged you to live out the kingdom of God daily in your life by your obedience to His Word. God bless you.